Welcome to Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by Catanzary Financial Services with Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson. I'm Tim Priester. We are finally all back from Los Angeles, where Notre Dame struggled mightily, uh, fell behind 10 to nothing, but came back, scored 24 straight points, which was a habit that USC had this season. And uh, Notre Dame wins 24-17, finishes the regular season 12-0, as they did six years earlier. And uh, we're not going to talk about how Notre Dame might not make the playoffs at 12-0. They are going to make the playoffs. Uh, the committee would be disbanded if they, if, they, uh, if they didn't make it. But we're sitting in a good position. It'll be interesting to watch the games this weekend, get an idea of um, you know, just exactly what Notre Dame's going up against, uh, whether it's Clemson. Who else might it be? Georgia. Georgia. I guess it could be Georgia. Yeah. Uh, but none of us anticipate that happening. So, guys, uh, let's just talk a little bit about uh, Saturday night. It was uh, a little stressful, I know, for Notre Dame fans, as Notre Dame fell behind ten to nothing and didn't seem to be in the in the swing of things and playing at the pace that USC. They weren't playing at the pace that USC was. I mean, give Clay Helton a lot of credit for getting his team ready to play. He had a good offensive plan. It took Notre Dame a while to adjust all that, but eventually the better team emerged. I thought it was, I mean, it was a highly stressful night. I mean, way more than anything that I, th- I think I felt against Pittsburgh, certainly or at the, the very end against Vanderbilt when you're like, oh, good, this, this might be getting away. This, I, I felt that they could have, I mean, if they don't have the Alohi Gilman strip and the Troy Pride strip, they're probably down double digits at halftime. Um, and at, at that point, the adjustments maybe have to be a little bit different. I don't know if Notre Dame comes back from that. So I think that sort of in the story of the season, those two forced fumbles. And I, I said this during the game that if you're going to play sort of that soft coverage type stuff, you're betting that USC is going to hurt itself. Commit and a they, penalty, commit a turnover. Yeah, and they, they did both of those things. Um, and I, I don't think people really grasp that as it's happening. Um but that was that was certainly part of what Clark Lee was trying to accomplish there. Um, I do think that Notre Dame probably either grossly miscalculated JT Daniels or just got very hot on fire JT Daniels, maybe both. Um, because I think that if you said, "Hey Clark Lee, um, JT Daniels is going to start eighteen of nineteen, and his one incompletion is going to be a throwaway," he'd be like, "Yeah, it's, that's that doesn't, doesn't, <laughs> doesn't fit with my game plan." I, um... I know you don't. I don't think you meant it this way, but I like to say those strips count too. Yeah, you know, like there's the. It wasn't like, and I know people will point that out. It's not sometimes when let's say USC player catches the ball, makes a move, and the ball just falls out, which happens in football. That's kind of lucky. The strip by Gilman is what Gilman. That does. was beautiful. Although he Gilman strips people. Good job by Pride too. And I mean, it's a pretty good receiver. He's taken away from too. They didn't, you know, just kind of. Yeah, it's a yeah exactly. Um, those are really good plays by Notre Dame. They made plays all year. I think that is game nine of twelve with a fumble, uh, with a force fumble. Uh, I think it's eight of twelve with no force fumble because uh, or with uh, no interception. Four games with no interception. This was one of them. This is the most passes thrown against Notre Dame without a pick since Eric Dungy. The sophomore. Oh, really? Yes. Wow. Fifty-one passes without a pick. It's, yeah. it's hard. I mean, that's it, it's hard to do. I know it's a lot of horizontal stuff, but I'm telling you, man, if they they might have grossly miscalculated, but he was on. He was looking. Yeah, he like was on. He a, was. He was looking great. like Barkley, not, not Whittick. Yeah, you know, and those aren't real difficult passes to make. But I mean, you know, you, you <laughs> look. You game plan. You game plan for your opponent, and your opponent is extremely turnover prone. They ended up 120th minus 10. Your opponent is extremely penalty prone. There, I, I have it in the tail of the tape exactly where they finished. 
And they're undisciplined in general. I mean, some of the penalties that they committed yeah, are that's, just undisciplined penalties. Every time somebody made a Notre Dame player miss with quick feet, they'd have, three plays later they'd have a terrible penalty. Right. You think to yourself, well, that's why. Yeah, and, oh, and the other thing is that, I mean, they haven't been, from a touchdown percentage ratio in the red zone, they haven't been good there either. Yeah. So you can, yeah, that was kind of part of Notre Dame's game plan. I get, Maybe it's a little bit easier for me to say that in retrospect because it all worked out, and so you can look back and say, yeah, yeah, well, they, yeah. they planned on that. But this was truly an opponent that you could plan on making mistakes slash forcing mistakes against. They probably felt they would tackle a little better. There were first yards. half they were they were poor tackling. Yeah, they after were. every catch in the first half, something was happening. Yeah. I think Julia Love and Gilman had one big hit on the boundary where there was no yards after the catch. Where they tackled better. Those two in particular, yeah. Gilman Love Love and Gilman in particular, really well. Love was probably the one that missed the most tackles. There were some early plays on. that first half where those quick feet were. Killing Notre Dame in space. And just across the board, across the perimeter, it was they they have the best perimeter talent that Notre Dame faced this year. Yeah. I and mean, it's uh, not close, I don't think. No, no, it's not. I mean, uh, look, there, Notre Dame came into the game, and I don't know if they played tight or they were slow or they were worn down or, or whatever analysis you want to apply to it, but certainly Notre Dame didn't come in as sharp as they've been pretty much most all year. With Book as the quarterback. I, I do think, uh, I think you're, one of those is probably accurate. I do think once USC got rolling, Notre Dame was just a little bit on skates. So I don't know if that means tight or if you're like, if they're like, whoa, what in the world is hitting us here? I don't here? think, you know, I don't it, think yeah. they were tight. I just think that they were a little bit lethargic, and yeah. I think that's where, you know, the schedule. I do, too. I think, really, the, I mean, the line never, the defensive line was not getting off the ball. I realize they were throwing fast, quick passes, but there were times they weren't, and guys were not getting off the ball. They weren't getting off the ball in fourth and one right. in the first half. They're getting pushed back. Now, Kareem almost made an amazing play on that fourth and one. He got double teamed, shoved back, still got, got off, off the of ball, made the hit, and he had absolutely zero help from everybody else that was right. getting pushed backwards. So right. it was, that's not how you stop fourth and one. So something was amiss. Um, but I want to give, I think, USC deserves some credit oh, for it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they were sharp we, coming we don't, out of that drive. You know, it's like, and I, I don't want to get too much into the game plan because I wrote my entire tale of the tape about and we have questions in the second segment, but... Fans just just do not think about the opponent enough. They don't they don't give the 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 opponent credit enough or consider what the Notre Dame coaching staff is taking into consideration when game planning against an opponent. Yeah, in fairness, pregame we did not give this opponent enough credit. Or in our podcast on Thursday. That's what I mean. Pregame or the whole week, week, the whole yeah. week leading up. Now during the game, you look out there and you're like, these guys are making some plays, yeah. man. This is a bit of a problem. Um, I think if you you have to look at USC. And give them credit for what they did. Well, as you're watching that game, if you don't understand, these dudes are playmakers making plays, and it could get a little hairy. And Clay Helton had—I mean, I thought he had an excellent plan. He probably knew that Nordain was thinking, "We're going to take the deep ball away." Okay, you go ahead and take the deep ball away, and we're going to give you a steady diet of this. I thought he had a good game plan, like like many coaches do in mapping out the first whatever 15 plays or first couple drives. They were they were sharp. Julian Love did say to I think Pete was there with me post game. He's like, "Dad, they they're really good at the beginning of games. They they're great on their script." And then they they Right. Kind of, and they that, yeah, and that, I mean, you want to talk about another tendency. USC was lousy in second halves this year. So what happened yeah. in the second half was not all of these things were game planned by Notre Dame because that was USC's MO. And I you know, I mean, I think it certainly they they had to absorb a ton of injuries this year, but for that team to lose seven games as a member of the Pac-12, that's that's awful. And you you have a true freshman quarterback, and then you add all those injuries together. And I get it, but I get it if you're eight and four. I don't get it if you're five and seven. I mean, I think one Notre Dame was I, I want to say about 
plus 48 in scoring margin in the third quarter, and USC was like minus 30 something, yeah. I, which which is bizarre that a power five team would have a negative yeah. scoring margin in the third quarter. Um, I mean, that's a sign that your coaching staff is not able to to counter punch and adjust on the fly. Um, whereas I think Notre Dame's that's a compliment to Notre Dame's ability to do that. So it's like, yeah, I mean, I think Notre Dame made some smart bets that they would win the third quarter, um, that they needed to take away the deep ball. Um, I just think USA USC played really well for long stretches of the game, and that's not something. I mean, it's like I joked on the podcast last week where. I didn't expect USC to, to want to play any more football. I thought that they would be like, you know what, let's just, let's well, just, don't let's you just think, call it. Don't you think? They didn't. I mean, yeah. Lynn Swan in making that decision, he was in, inclined to keep Clay Helton anyway. But don't you think that the way they the way they came out and as well prepared as Clay Helton had them, that that had something, that at least had a small part in Swan's decision to retain him? Right. You know, it's interesting because I— you look at USC and you think the way they came out, is that a compliment to Clay Helton or like an <laughs> yeah. indictment? I, an I indictment. thought it was it's more bo- of an indictment. Yeah, no, it's both. I mean, it's both. It's an certainly. unfortunate indictment for Notre Dame yeah. fans that have to live through them being really hot in the first half. Yeah. Yeah. I just, uh, it, to me, the, the whole irony of the setting that two years earlier, Brian Kelly was the one that was going to be fired yeah. and Clay Helton was, Clay Helton had earned the job and he, you know, and then they won 21 games in two years and. I really, I mean, I pressed Brian Kelly about it a little bit after the game, and maybe it was a little too blunt in talking about. <laughs> he used the F word. Yeah, he used the F word that you know you could have been fired two years ago. Yeah. But he knew he understood where I was coming from, and I I just had a conversation with Jack Swarbrick, and Swarbrick had explained that he never, you know, whether this is the hundred percent truth or not, I, I don't know, but he never seriously considered firing Brian Kelly. He wanted to help him get better because he felt like he was still the right guy for the job. A further illustration of college football's fickle nature. Keep People keep using 16 and 18. Well, from 2012 to 2014, Notre Dame walked <laughs> off the field at USC in 2012 celebrating being number one. In 2014, Steve Sarkeesian took mercy on a Notre Dame team right. that Brian Kelly called a red-letter day for our program. It was so bad. I mean, that's about as long way down as you get from what they did in 12 to 14. Yeah. And the backup. 1618. It's remarkable. Coliseum. Yeah, the, I mean, the, the, out of people, the, the, the irony of it, and just being in that setting, I love being in that setting. I've been there, I want to say, 18 times for 18 Notre Dame games. Uh, and it's just, I mean, the historic. I love what they've done to the tunnel as you walk into it now. They have all the graphics along there. It's, it's, oh, yeah. it's yeah, I mean, it's stuff. really beautiful. It's really, and they're, and they're renovating the stadium, which is, is a pit. Man. We got to see I mean, the whole thing. We got to see the whole Stadiums. deal. All yeah. the stadiums around it. We went out the wrong way. The three of us oh, the way yeah. out. We saw a lot of, a lot of down, a lot of yeah. that area. For we, 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 had, we had a risky path back to our <laughs> yeah. That was that was back to our parking best. garage, which by the way was locked. And O'Malley was trying to climb through a window on the second floor in order to get to our <laughs> really, car. Yeah. I'm surprised. Still part of yes. the whole weekend. <laughs> I'm really getting way too old for this. Kind I of needed stuff. a little bit more core strength to get to that third uh, <laughs> third story. By, climb, by climbing, up. you mean like. You got two. Yeah, around, right? I got, I got well, a little high. There. You, you know, <laughs> your traits are a little lacking, I have to say. There was uh, a long step there. Let, uh, I want to talk Chris Fink. Chris Fink. Wow, Chris Fink loved uh, USC's defensive game plan because they basically let him run around, catch passes all night, all night. Not that he didn't beat people, but when they're bringing linebackers, yeah, it's, he took advantage of the uh, Yeah, I mean, he he's he's having a lot of uh, uh, unencumbered paths to the football. Um, you know, and, and USC banked on their secondary plan great, and I'm not going to get into that because we're going to save that to the, the second segment. But 
there's some st- there's some stars emerging on, on the back end of their defense for a while, for a while. Their safety situation. Do you know how many safeties they've gone through? They're like, and then Marvell Tell didn't play. They like their top five safeties. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine that? We, I mean, that would be like getting uh, beyond Nico Fertitta. It's. I mean, it is strange, like how we would have perceived Notre Dame's chances to win if their starting safeties were Derek Allen and Nico Fertitta. Yeah. I mean, I think we probably would have adjusted our expectations, which that, which then gets you to be like, why did Notre Dame only score 24 points? Why did the USC safety make the only pick? Who's a walk-on? <laughs> a walk-on. <laughs> yeah. You know when you say Wait the other guys have scholarships too? Well, not in that not, case. Not in that case. <laughs> but, Although uh, he, got, he got his from Miles Boykin. Yeah. He turned uh, right into him and got launched. Treated to a little turf at the <laughs> yeah. end of that one. So Chris I, Fink made the big play, but Dexter Williams, of course, also just yeah. huge. What a gra- and that's a great chip. Yeah. On call. I mean, he, he, when you, I don't know if you had a chance to see that yet, but I mean, you see the, you see the left side of the line of scrimmage, going right and sent from center to right guard to right, tackle go left and Comet and Claypool are out there and Comet and Claypool form the perfect alley, yeah. and Christian Rector ran right by yeah. Dexter Williams, yeah, but he had been a... conditioned to follow that, that movement, and then you know, and you also, uh, what, what what happened on the there was the fake jet sweep to Fink. Oh, there's the fake jet, fake fake jet sweep to Fink, the play action to Dexter Williams, and then coming back and throwing the throwing pass to Dexter, to Dexter Williams, Williams. For, yeah, for about 18 year gain. And that mm-hmm. one I I had gotten to. This is one of those things where coaches just probably go. This is not a Chase Claypool didn't try commentary. He had to get the Mike linebacker that actually made the tackle 18 years downfield. He didn't. He tried. He didn't get there. If he gets there because of Robert Hainsey's block downfield. That is a 75-yard screen pass to Dexter Williams. It was just so wow. well blocked, and it's not. I mean, Claypool had the hardest time, and he had to run across the field to get the Mike linebacker. Yeah. He didn't, and then yeah. and that's the only reason over, he didn't score. I mean, over the I, I just having rewatched the game, and I'll watch it one more time. But I mean, the creativity of Chip Long. I mean, you man, you when you give him the pieces that he needs, i.e., Ian Book. I mean, mainly, but of course, he's got some weapons there. It's really hard to game plan against him for 60 minutes because he's going to come up with something that is counter to what you've been doing the whole game. I mean, that's if you consider all the years Notre Dame could not run a standard screen pass. And now how easy it looks for them to run these things. And with a guy that even his teammates, Deshaun Kaiser and Nick Watkins, would say couldn't be involved in right. passing games at Dexter Williams. Right. He's, he's really come a long way. And, and Jones, that is Jones's best attribute right now, along with some pass protection, which works out well because you're in there for... Pass protection right. or screen passes. Right. I mean, those plays are they—they're so they feel very uncomplicated um, because the guy is wide open. It's not yeah. like you're dropping the screen pass over the like right, the Charlie right. Weiss style yeah. screen passes are a little bit more traditional. But yeah, it's—I mean, there's it's a reason Chip Long's a one of five finalists for the yeah. for the Broyles Award, and we, I'm sure we can talk about more of this later. But I mean, we on, on the way out of the stadium, whoever they get in the playoff. I think it's been really one of the first times where Notre Dame doesn't have a, a, a clear coaching advantage, right? Because Alabama's offense coordinator and Clemson's offense coordinator are also finalists for the Broyles <laughs> Award. And Clemson's defensive coordinator has he's, been around the block. I a think couple he's times. a yeah. multiple-time yeah. winner of and, the Broyles and, Award. And Clemson's defensive coordinator has a, a defensive line from God. Yeah. Also, Clem, uh, Alabama's head coach is good at adjusting. Is he? Yeah. Too. He's, I, yeah. I haven't heard. About and Kirby him. Smart is. Yeah. I, and the two times that we have had a chance to cover Kirby Smart games, they have played some pretty good defense yeah. against mm-hmm. Notre Dame. That's. Uh, that's a good. There's some good coaching matchups in the final four. Even if uh, you sneak in that team that had a good day Saturday in Columbus, they have some good coaching situations. Yeah, that they do. All right, we'll be back. Segment two: Burning up the boards. Questions from our readers. 
Irish Illustrated Insider is brought to you by Anderson, Augustino, and Keller, Attorneys at Law, with offices in South Bend, Indiana, serving the local community's legal needs with a diverse and innovative group of lawyers. Let their team be your edge on legal matters. Contact the lawyers at Anderson, Augustino, and Keller at 574-288-1510 or visit their webpage at aaklaw.com. Welcome back to segment two, brought to you by Anderson, Augustino, and Keller. Burning up the boards, our first question from at dbaker317. Book's worst game against an opponent not named the Tar Heels, he asks. Why was it so hard to get Boykin and Claypool involved? Uh, I have a two-word answer for the whole, uh, for the Boykin-Claypool, and it's Iman Marshall. The guy was, I mean, I you know, I don't know that he's lived up to his expect. He hadn't he lived not, up to yeah. his expectations from 2015 to 2017, but he's had a great year, and he was he was a pretty dominant football player uh, against Notre Dame. I, I it's in the tail of the tape. I turned to O'Malley at one point. And I said, "Is is Emma Marshall playing both sides of the field simultaneously?" Yeah. He was playing both sides, but not simultaneously. No, right? Yes. No, but it, it's like who <laughs> he for a while there. I mean, it, it didn't matter whether it was Claypool, Boykin, or a tight end. Or not, Fink. Not, not, what did he defend? On fourth down. Okay, yeah. right. Yeah. That, so the one time, yeah, yeah the one time Fink usually wasn't on Fink, but I mean, the guy was making plays, and and that's why I kind of we have some questions about book. Yeah, his accuracy was bad because. You know, they were USC was playing some quality pass defense, led by Iman Marshall in particular. I think people probably doubled down on Book being having a bad game because he did throw the worst interception of the football yeah, and season. Yeah, and the terrible game. miss on to I mean. Fink, yeah. the terrible, yeah, yeah. you know where. I'm not. I, sure. I, I, I want to ask someone around Notre Dame is like, who is that on? Like, was that on Fink? Or the overthrow on, on Fink? Yeah, because like Fink turns like he's expecting his, his inside shoulder, and then Book throw, Book throws it long anyway, but yeah. it's to its outside shoulder. Like if Fink ran the same route that he caught the touchdown on, he may have caught it, but he he like turns inside, um, and I'm just curious. Like it, it there was enough awkwardness in there. Well, it was a great move. Was, it's it, it's yes. a, kind of a tricky move, which is not only hard for the DB to read, but yeah. also your quarterback. But the image I have in my mind is that was overthrown almost before he released it. Yeah, I don't think it was a good throw, um, but I, I think it was overthrown and on the wrong shoulder. But I don't know if it was on the wrong shoulder because okay. Fink was supposed to run it a little bit differently or not. That's just I'm just curious about that. But I look, I think it sort of gets into Washington's the second question about since returning from injuries, book accuracy has dropped off quite a bit. Do you think the rib injury is affecting him more than has been let on? One hundred percent. Yeah, I agree with you. Like talking to people around Notre Dame, this is like Book's injury is a much bigger deal. Which I think now people are a little bit more willing to like say that because the regular season is over. Um, but after Drew Tranquil, Ian Book would be number two on yeah. the list well, of guys how, who will look, benefit the most. Look how little, you know, from a design run standpoint, they did very very little the last two games. And think about what Book. Think about that third and eleven conversion where he just put his shoulder down. I, and I'm not. I mean, when you saw the other angle, okay, you you understood he got first down. But I didn't. The the original angle, I didn't understand how he was even in a position to get that first down. And that was huge. That was yes. That was part of the three third down conversions on the touchdown before the half. The other two were passes to Fink. Yeah, I mean, even the the athletic movie made on. Like three or four plays before the touchdown to Tony Jones in the yes, fourth quarter. Three I, mean, plays that, before. I think they were both on Isaiah Langley. He sort of ran over him and then ran around him. 
At least um, Langley got to celebrate for getting drilled out of bounds. Langley was, was good great. early, but boy, he was bad yeah. late. Um, but I, I just think with Book, there, like, I've heard like it's not a bruise; it's a crack. Yeah, no doubt. Ribs. And people keep getting mad that we said that, but that's what everybody has told us. So yeah, exactly. I don't know what, you want me to say? <laughs> yeah, so that's. I mean, that, <laughs> it's. I'm surprised he's played as well as he's played. That's, I think, a, the the way I would look at it more with that kind of injury. I also think that there's more of a scouting report out of him. Like he doesn't really see the defensive end dropping. Like the same way that that North Daniels had difficulty. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I th- if you, I think if you went back and looked at the, I think it was in the first quarter. Um, he gets blitzed to his right. Christian Rector is to his left and drops. And I think Boykin's coming across the formation. He, he's under such duress that he throws... It's Back all, over it's, the middle? Yeah. Yeah, that was all if, a mistake. If, <laughs> I think that if he was protected there and had time to throw it, he would have thrown it right to Christian Rector and it would have been picked off um, if he wasn't under pressure. That's These are just things that I think happen with young quarterbacks. They have to learn how to see what your countermeasures are and he's there's a... It's, Clancy Pendergast, like in some ways, it's we always think as a coaching matchup, it's Clancy Pendergast versus Chip Long. But in some of those instances, Clancy Pendergast versus Ian Book, exactly. And that's not that's not even competitive in terms of football experience. I also think that is the lion's share of the reason why he couldn't get the ball to the end zone on that throw. Not that I, I not yes. that, yeah. Look, uh, well, he, wasn't, he wasn't completely turned. Well, you'll see right, that he but wasn't. he wasn't completely turned, and he had someone coming that if he has to take the time to fully elongate and throw, he's going to get hit in his drill. ribs. That's so, good point. That's good I, point. look, man, Ian Book can throw the ball that far. So, I, But in situations where you're hurting, and you protect yourself a little, and you hurry something... You're rolling left. You're rolling so left. Right. Now, if he had... Now, I'm not going to say his arm's amazing. I'm saying, look... Brandon Wimbush could have done that and put the ball in the back of the end zone easily with his arm strength, not throwing properly while protecting himself. But Ian Book can get the ball that far. It just sometimes takes the setup to be better. I I found it interesting that since he played the week before that we just kind of, like, forgot that he... I mean, where, did you have that in mind? I I, I mean, I just think Once USC went down and scored, I never thought we'd see Brandon Wimbush in the game. When they went down the field and I thought to myself, holy cow, they're come to play. Yeah, I completely forgot there would be anything going on. Yeah, I mean, put Wimbush in the game. There's, there's no doubt that there was, there was a break in his ribs. Um, I, I don't, I don't know exactly how many, but one's enough. And to put uh, a put a point on that throw though, because people are asking about Wimbush, why not put in Wimbush? I think they would have if it was ten more yards back. It's just Kelly knows book can throw I, I didn't, it that far. I didn't even hear this line. Of yeah, thinking. it makes sense. I mean, they people think that if he couldn't get it there, well, can Wimbush? Of course no, he can. He can. He can you get you it would there. bring in Wimbush if you're throwing from your own forty. Because Book probably can't get it there, whereas guys that have real hoses can get the ball 65 yards. I don't think Book can do that. But this was a midfield throw. I mean, he can do that. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I thought more. It, it was his body positioning. Yeah. He didn't get a chance to to get turned around. He he certainly has. He have have we have he he hasn't thrown anything but a spiral in any. You know, I mean, even the even the overthrow to Fink, it was such a beautiful, tightly thrown. You know, it was it's like it was Warren a, Moon overthrowing. Yeah, people. I mean, it, it was it was such a beautifully tightly thrown pass. It's like, damn, you overthrew him, but that was a good looking, good looking heave. I don't know. It's like a five star scouting of the of yeah the, of the spiraling. Of it. All right, so yeah, I mean, he's busted up and and getting the football to those big play receivers was tough at times, and I, I don't necessarily know that as Ian Book playing poorly. I think, and I I think. I think you make a good point, Pete. That you know, I mean, coaches—they have the book on book. They've seen a play. You've got yeah. you've got some advantages. Mm-hmm. That's the whole idea of of having more film on somebody. It was, I mean, just to wrap up on this point, I remember asking Brian Kelly about this. I don't know, in late October, and 
just like do you expect teams to sort of figure out what he does well and doesn't and he's like oh he's accurate like and if you're accurate then you're fine like there's not really a scouting report but i think that there's there's a much finer there are many more finer points that we're starting to see over the course of the last few weeks there next question from at rob ebert why did it take Indy so long to adjust to usc picking its defense apart underneath well, again, I I think that you have to you you have to understand what the game plan was and what USC did well. And certainly, going into the game, the whole nation knew that you've got to be you got to be aware of the deep ball. And I think Clay Helton figured that Notre Dame was aware of the 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 deep ball, and so they were going to give a, a little bit of cushion. Now, you know, if the if they're down, and it was still ten nothing game. You're still one drive away from being down three points, getting a kickoff in the second half. So I, I, I don't. I mean, I think Clark Lee resisted giving in to Clay Helton. Number one, number two. Tell me when Notre Dame became a good press coverage defense. When is Notre Dame a press cover defense with their corners? I mean, no. I yeah, Julian Love can do just about anything right, on a football right. field, but that's not. That's not what they do. And, and another thing, when they when they bunch three receivers together and one slips behind them and you have two lead blockers on them, you can't prevent that from happening. So, look, Brian Kelly at halftime said we, they have to tighten it up. And they did some things by dropping Aquara. Uh, they were, you know, Love was more aggressive. I thought they tackled better in general. The safeties were definitely more aggressive. I think if you tackled well in the first half, fans would not have been quite as upset watching the show of short passes because if they're all they're all going to be four yards instead of seven, there was seven, eight, nine, eleven all the time. Yeah, it was that's what was getting people. There were very few four yard throws. We we knew going in they had three really good receivers yeah. that had put up numbers, and they came on Saturday night and they had three really good receivers that put up numbers. And I meant four yard gains, not four yard throws. There yeah, were a lot no, of one yard no, throws, but they turned into nine and yard I, gains. You know, and I you know I get it's it's frustrating, and you know I mean. Hey, you feel like eighteen out of nineteen. Yeah, I, the feeling it's a little extreme. You're letting them, you're letting them take the national chair, the playoff berth away from you because yeah. you're sitting back in coverage. But, but you that's know not, this is yeah. a turnover prone team and a penalty prone team, and so it's going to be hard for them to get twelve play eighty yard drives against you. And what happened Saturday night? It was difficult for USC to put twelve play eighty yard drives together because they made too many mistakes. And I, I think it, we're. we're in this, we should probably separate what was happening on third down out of the short passing game success that they're having right. on first and second down because that that was something that did run sort of against brand for Notre Dame's defense. They've been really good, maybe not as a third down percentage defense, but when you get them in third and long, yeah, their, they, their dime package has been dynamic. And in the first half, Daniels was five to six for 76 yards. They were not getting off the ball. Against the dime package, you had the 35-yard gain um, by Pittman against Bracey. I mean, the only incompletion was Pittman really beating Bracey badly in the end zone, but the ball's overthrown. It was the, really one of the few times they got pressure at all in the first half. Yeah, it was a quarter up the middle and Kareem yeah. coming, yeah. That, so I think Notre Dame was banking on its third down pressure packages to be a lot more effective than it was. Uh, and when it wasn't, then you're just like, you just keep rolling down the field and those six, seven, eight, nine yard passes. Um, I think they thought when they could get them in third and 10 that. They would win those ninety percent of the time, and they were losing them. Yeah, eighty uh, percent. I would have. I would have agreed with them that they would have. You get them at third and seven. Here, here they come yeah. off the edge, but well, they were they were picking it up. And Notre Dame also thought that they were going to score more points. They they didn't sure. they didn't feel like Pendergast could take them out of their game. But he, yeah, I think that's a good point. It's it's not it's Pendergast again. When it's happening, it's Pendergast against Ian Book, and. Um, 
you know, when they're blitzing, when they're blitzing on rundowns too, when they're blitzing every time. Yeah, but um, they're throwing caution you know, to the now, wind. Now, and... could could Chip Long have have adjusted a, a little bit more in the in the first half? Yeah, probably. I, I, and could you have dropped uh, Julian Okwara in, in, still in the first half to take take away that easy access stuff? Probably. I think. He might have. I think Long did try to adjust a little bit to it. In the he first did. Half, he started. They they, just, they, yeah. They, yeah, they went to Williams. I mean, that was that was a big part of the adjustment. But they started getting the flow. They started using a lot of misdirection stuff in the second yeah. half, and then trying to get people on the edge. They even ran a read option on the second snap of the second half, and and Book kept it. You know, I, we were saying they didn't want to do too many design runs, but I think they were trying to, you know, get to the edge. Um, let them go ahead and let if they want to get up field, let them get up field and then get the ball to the edge and, and do some damage there. Next question from at double A W T double zero. That's a hard one, actually. Which coaches on staff may be targeted by other schools? I hear Brian Polian is on Bowling Green's radar. I don't I don't think that they'll lose another assistant other than Polian. I don't this year either. Um Yeah, it's like uh, Clark Lee and um Chip Long are, are not long for Notre Dame in the like they're not going to be tenure assistants. Like they're not going to have a Mike Elston style run yeah. um, here. But uh, I don't think that they'll be out the door this off season. Now, look, stuff can change. But you know, USC didn't open, which is like sort of a domino that affects everyone else. Yeah. Um, and I, I mean, I guess we'll see what happens with Ohio State. But is if if the top of the college football food chain stays stays pretty set, steady, then you're not going to have like the mid like. Jeff Brom's not going anywhere. You know that would that would be a domino that would affect people. Um, I and I, I guess I, I I say that more in the the vein of Chip Long than than Clark Lee, just because yeah, Chip and, Long has had the more high profile year. I mean, it's our understanding that in two years. I mean, Elston Elston is slash was up for the Bowling Green job as well. Yes, correct. Um, and I, I mean, my sources. I think Brian Polian is going to get the Bowling Green job. I, I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, I know he's one of three finalists, and I, I don't know if he's likely to get it, but I definitely feel like he has a better than thirty-three percent chance of getting it. Yes, that's probably yes, how that's as probably, far as that, I would go on yeah, that. That's so. Um, you know, that means that Notre Dame would need a new uh, special teams coach. They'd need a new recruiting, recruiting coordinator. coordinator. Yeah. Uh, they just had a special teams coach that was an analyst a couple years ago, Marty Biaggi. He gained a little bit of fame and acclaim this year for a, a, a very creative fake punt for a touchdown. But I think he's more than that. I think he's yeah, a real solid. Good. He's a real solid. Uh, now, will Nordame go in that direction? Uh, let's just say that a he was on the Nordame staff, and b him and Chip Long know each other quite well. Do they from go their back GA to days. Elston as a recruiting coordinator? Yeah, God, you know, I, I mean, you can't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know that, that he's back. associate head coach. Yeah. I think that's maybe, maybe somebody like Biagi could do that. Biagi recruits on the West Coast. I so I think another name to probably keep in mind is uh, John Bonamago. He was uh, the head coach at Central Michigan until I think last week. Yes, um, and his background is special teams coach with the Lions. Jaguars, Saints, Dolphins, Saints, <laughs> Packers, Jaguars, Jaguars. Um, he doesn't really have 
sort of that natural connection to Brian Kelly, but other than he was at Central Michigan um, right. a decade later. Right. Is this something, I mean, you've, you've, yeah, you've I've, got I've, some info Yeah, on I mean, I, I think that's a name that would be yeah. considered. I mean, Biagi would probably be an easier fit um, just because, like, he's been here and you it's kind of been sussed right. out a little bit, but... I think if you if you want to go for a, a, like a higher level yeah. special teams well, guy, I mean, I mean his his resume is certainly far superior. Yeah, and especially Biagi. if if there's a you know I mean the recruiting coordinator position is is obviously critical. Uh, Brian Pullian does a good job at that. He's very aggressive. He's a hard worker. Um, so we'll see. I but I would th- maybe that's a better way of putting it. I think I think there's. If there's three candidates, I think there's at least a 50% chance that Brian Pauline is going to get that job. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's probably, probably a good way to look okay. at it. Uh, CMU, CMU Penns fan. fan. Did the extensive travel this team did in the past month catch up to Notre Dame some on Saturday and explain some of their sluggishness? And how much good do you think the break will do for the team mentally going into the playoffs? I, I think it caught up to them for sure. And I know after the game, Sorbrook talked a little bit about it. There were critics of our travel, and Brian Kelly said, you know, this— this team is tough, and travel doesn't affect them. Well, that's not what everyone said in July at Notre Dame, Sorbrick and Brian Kelly included. I mean, it, it just felt like kind of a weird revisionist. Because we were 12-0, yeah, the travel didn't well, affect it's, us. It's like, admit, it's like admitting that Ian Book had a pretty serious yeah. situation. You can do that now. I know uh, that Swarbrick was Swarbrick was worn out after the game yeah. Saturday. <laughs> I just, yeah, it just... It, I think it's okay to admit that the travel was a real challenge that we were overcome, op- opposed to pretending that the travel had no impact at right. all. Right, and it's something to avoid in the future. Yeah. To that extent, anyway. Well, next year they avoid it. There's, You know, we only have three flights next year. Like Auburn. Huh? Auburn never flies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, have a dri- we have a drive to uh, yeah, Ann Arbor. We have a drive to Louisville. And the other three road games are Duke. Georgia and Stanford. Georgia and Stanford. Mm. One of those is three, not like the other. Three <laughs> but three flights with with all the Once things that, the Pacific time zone? with all the things that can happen <laughs> with flights yeah. and yeah. did in the last two weeks. I'm thankful to to only be looking at three uh, next week. Statman seventy two similar question in the pre but next flipping year. it a little bit in the preseason we looked at the closing stretch of five games as a gauntlet we hoped ND could endure. Navy FSU and USC among them all turned out to be much weaker than anyone anticipated. Was a greater factor in Indy's late season success their strength as a team or the opponent's weakness? Uh, it's a good question. Uh, um, Matt Bayless got the game ball after after the USC win, so I think that's a testament to to just what what an incredible impact he's had on this team. You know, when the players are that excited about it, they nobody knows nobody knows the impact of Matt Bayless like the players. They speak uh, they, reverent in reverent terms of Matt Bayless, like the players. Yeah. He's, he clearly deserved the game ball. I mean, I want to find out how many strength and conditioning coaches capping off an undefeated season got a game ball ever. It's probably up there with uh, <laughs> offensive tackles who are named MVP of bowl games. Yeah. <laughs> like Zach Martin in the first right It's just, uh, that, I mean, that it's quite an honor, really. And obviously, Notre Dame thought that the travel in November might have impacted them a little bit, which is why they gave the strength and conditioning coach yeah. the game ball going, flying in the face of, well, travel doesn't so mean anything to us. Yeah. The whole thing is just... The next question followed there should have been, we didn't know yet he had the game ball. So we got the game ball because travel's easy and November's easy. Yeah, it's, just like, <laughs> it's just, come It's on. like I ran a marathon, I finished it, therefore the 26.2 miles had no impact on me. <laughs> well, and to, to complete the thought with Statman72's question here. I think the yes, they benefit. They, yeah. they, I mean, Notre Dame benefited from Navy not being very good this year and from Florida State being subpar. And 
USC, they got USC's best shot. They did. Syracuse, they didn't get... I mean, Syracuse was good <laughs> this year. And they just destroyed Syracuse. But that was an odd one we did not expect to be pre-game going in to be quite as difficult. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Syracuse would fall under the counterexample to Notre Dame gets everyone's best shot. Syracuse did not give them their best yeah, shot. Yeah, they did not. Have yeah, they were, and, they were just, yeah. like, and, all over the place. And could I just, like, go off on a tangent here? When we... And, and we, you know, we realized that, okay, we underestimated Pittsburgh and... And USC to a large extent, although I had a two touchdown spread and it was it, it could have should have could have been a two touchdown game at the end. But you know, we don't we try not to look at this like fans. We try to look at I try to look at film of the the opponent and try to break down everything they've done in every every game. And so yeah, I guess maybe there there are there are times when, when we look at an opponent and don't give them enough respect, but when you've looked at film of, of an opponent and they're playing crappy football. We're going to tell you that this opponent that Notre Dame's about to play is playing lousy football. And they were. <laughs> and they were. And they rose to the occasion. And, 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 do te- and do teams rise to the occasion to play Notre Dame more? Yeah, maybe we should. We need to take that in consideration more often. Well, we probably should have for Pitt and USC, considering they've been the longest. <laughs> we always say, like, all right, the fact that USC has beaten Notre Dame out here so and so many times in so many situations has no impact on anything, except there's a reason that they do that. USC does want to get up for Notre Dame. They do a good job of it very often. And Pittsburgh likes to get up for Notre Dame. Most often, they do a good job of getting up for Notre Dame as a worse team, right? When Pittsburgh has been better than Notre Dame in the last 12 years, pretty much like better. Only the year Brian Kelly was coaching against them for Cincinnati. And yet there is Pittsburgh in every single matchup except for the famous Wolf Fuller game, playing Notre Dame to the end, beating Notre Dame, or taking them to overtime. There is a reason for it, right? Yeah, Pittsburgh I mean, takes that game personally, and and then especially when you're talking about Narduzzi game planning against Notre Dame, he's really good. Okay, we need we need to uh, pick up the pace a little bit. At MTFL Smitty, not including Ian Book, which three Notre Dame players need to play their best football for the Irish to have a chance at winning the national championship? Jerry Tillery, uh, Alohi Gilman. He needs to play. He needs to. Alohi Gilman has to play great against Clemson and Alabama's back seven, who, by the way, are light years better than everybody Notre Dame has faced except for USC. Okay. They're which the perimeter players for Alabama are NFL players. Alohi Gilman's gonna have to play a great football game because they're not just gonna go out there and beat them. You're gonna have to make Alohi Gilman plays. Jerry Tillery clearly, um, and then. I mean, I'm probably gonna stay on the defensive line and say Khalid Kareem. If we see Khalid Kareem's best with Jerry Tillery and. Uh, I think the offense can just play some football, and the defense is going to have to be heroic. Yeah, I guess like Julian Love's going at, to play well. Well, well, well I think <laughs> Gilman will too. I, 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 I don't know about that, Tim. Uh, Alohi Gilman, the matchup Alohi Gilman is going to be trying to strip the ball from from people on these teams is not the same. It, look at the Vanderbilt game when you're going and trying to hit Pinckney. What happens to you? These guys are pros, and Alabama has yeah, seven of them. You know, I, I, yeah, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. I think he can play his best game. I'm not yeah. saying he won't. I'm saying you can't see Gilman bouncing off people in this game and think, "Oh, we're going to win. This is going to be great." Well, I would definitely, uh, I, mean, I would definitely start with Tillery because, um, although there was a stat out there about how how well he played against USC as a pass rusher, he he got a sack late, which was huge. Oh, it was huge. It was. It was <laughs> he came off a block beautifully. He had a little help from Coney. He threw um, some dude to the ground on that. Breaking yeah. through, yeah, yeah. But <laughs> I mean, I just, I just, I, I don't we, think we that, have a colleague that says pro football focus 
gives way too much credit to pressure. It's just watching the yeah. game. Like, I mean, you I breathe just, on the guy a little bit, and it's, uh, like, got him. I, 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 think, <laughs> I think that there were times where he wasn't real. He wasn't very noticeable in this game. So, I, look, against in this kind of matchup, now we're talking about playoffs. Who else is Hillary? Uh, Eichenberg, you know, yeah, maybe you could yeah. maybe you could pick one of several. Tommy Kramer. I mean, I, I maybe I would pick two. I, okay, I'll pick I'll pick Eichenberg and Kramer because I because I think that they have had the most difficulty being consistent. I think Eichenberg Eichenberg's done a really for a first time starter with two more years of eligibility. I think he's done a, a done a nice job. I don't think that he was Doug Flutie say he's been rock solid all year. I wouldn't go so far as to say that, but those would be. I, you know, I I would definitely pick linemen, and those yes. are those are the three I guess I'd pick. I think I would go. I'm more on O'Malley's side, I, and I would just go straight up the spine of the defense. I'd go Tillery, Coney, Gilman. I thought about. Coney. I think that's yeah. where they need to. Those guys need to play. How am I? Am, what, am I not reading the question? Other than Ian Book, need to play their best football. I I'm, I look at those guys as all they they always play. They almost I, always play their best football. I, I don't think so. Tillery, Coney, and I think Coney's worn down. Well, no, not not Tillery. Tillery. Not, I'm not saying Tillery, but like I, like Coney or Gilman. Those are guys. Those are guys that are. I think if st- we see Coney that we saw against USC, they like, will run him over. Need like It'll Michigan, get, Coney, Michigan Coney. Yes, Stanford Tillery, USC Gilman. Like give, give me rep, the replication of those three performances yeah. in the playoff. No, there's or Syracuse no, Gilman. No, but there's they no really doubt. That'd be fine. The too. picks. I mean, I've, I've talked about this in recent weeks that, that you know, especially when when Tranquil was playing outside of the box when he yeah. had to. Uh, Coney missed too many run fits. Yeah, people are and, gonna spread them out. Right, and we've come to we've come to understand that that dude is really worn out yes. after this twelfth game of the year. He needs this break. That is not our opinion. That's the opinion right. that's, of the coaching staff. I mean, it's yeah. also it's also it is also. I would like to too, back yeah. up that opinion. Just yeah. in a form, and I'm not <laughs> I'm not ripping on Gilman. I'm just saying that this is you're not playing Syracuse playing anymore, big, man. Yeah, I'm playing you gotta, with the big boys now. Yeah, this is I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. At Deke Barron, do you guys think that the current offense being in place a year ago would have changed Equinemius St. Brown's decision to leave early, and or his brother committing to USC? I don't care about the first one <laughs> at all, and I think it would have been great if it influenced. <laughs> His younger brother to come to Notre Dame because that dude is a problem. They didn't get the wrong St. Brown brother, but they didn't get the right one. All right, yeah. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not putting this in the Zeller area that we like to talk about. Yeah. Look, man, that guy is a he well, is I, a competitive dude. Yeah, he uh, is. I I would I would yeah. if I had a choice, I would take Tyler Vaughn's first because I what no over St. over the young St. Brown. I love I love yeah. that attitude. I'll say he's like Robert Woods to me, the young St. Brown. Huh? <laughs> what you tell me, Tyler Vaughn's in a good player? No, he's a really good player. I just yeah. think I, I like the I love the I love the killer attitude that the young oh, I Brown love, has. No, I, I think I, that's a tough thing to stop in college. I love that too. I love Tyler Vaughn's <laughs> making spectacular yeah, you plays. Like that, you like that too? <laughs> Those are good things. I'm, as I mean, well. I'm not. Look, we're this is we're talking about right with Equinemius. I don't think the coaching staff cared for a half a second that he left. No, I agree. Um, I think that they really wanted Amon Rob, but like, look, he's playing with his high school quarterback. What they say yeah. on the broadcast, one hundred thousand throws that they've had between the two of them. But it, I mean, it's funny to look back at that because one of the things that Brian Kelly, the point he tried to make in Amon Ra's in-home visit last year, was like, I guarantee you, we will get the passing game fixed. I'm not sure it really played. It, and while and the end result is yes, he did. It didn't really play out. The way no, it, they, he wasn't really wrong. In I'm sure I'm not wrong. I was watching the first three games. And like, dude, come and, on. And at the and at right and at the end of the day, I mean, guys of this caliber of of the of Amon Ra St. Brown's caliber, 
he's got JT Daniels thrown to him, so he's going to be just fine there. They went five and seven. Yeah, that's that's a problem. But at the end of the day, it's all about getting to the league, and yeah, JT a... Daniels will get him to the league just fine. Yeah, as Amon Ra will get JT Daniels there probably as well. <laughs> Correct. Uh, but Correct. it's a, yeah, I saw Amon Ra at the opening. He was the best player I saw until he like messed up his hand. All those competitive stuff is dead on all the time. It is turned up all the time. And like you shake that dude's hand. I mean, that's like Miles Boykin's hands, but on a kid who's like really five. I mean, and like the grip strength. Like <laughs> wow, well, he's, I'm not. He's I, got the whole thing. Like, I love Tyler Vaughn's. I, I, I love. They're, they're both good. going. Yeah. They're both going to be. They're both. He, you're be saying good. that Amon Ra could have gotten up to the second floor and gotten into the parking garage. He would have been able to get a store <laughs> car. Just jumped. Uh, just, just, just left up there. At Caleb underscore Hansel. Hypothetically, how would the Irish offensive line fare against Clemson's defensive line? Mm-hmm. Silence. Yeah. <laughs> Hypothetically, no, I, mean, I think they'll be great. Yeah. Okay. yeah. No, no I, I mean, I, it's it's a tough matchup just to let you know where Clemson's D-line yeah. is right now or their run defense. Number two in the country at 84.7 yards per game, two, 2.2 yards per carry. Seven rushing touchdowns on the season. It's a it's a really really difficult matchup for Notre Dame. I look at the Clemson D line in this way for that game. Notre Dame is going to have to scheme to beat them, and the players that the playmakers are going to have to make tremendous plays along with that scheme. In other words, all these little misdirections those are going to have to work. And when the ball is up there one on one and it's Claypool downfield, he's going to have to come down with it. You know, you're going to need the breaks. It's 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 feasible to move the ball by keeping them off balance, but then you still have to make those huge plays somewhere along the way. You can't miss Chris Fink, or Chris Fink can't run the wrong route. Whatever happens, those got to hit. You, yes. Those have to hit. Uh, I would say that it's a game where Ian Book will probably throw it 42 times. Yeah, and I, you know, the comment, there there was a play in the USC game that reminded me of Dino Baber's comment afterwards about the whole chess and checkers mm-hmm. game because that's what it became for Chip Long in the second half, and he was dealing, he was dialing it up. That's what he's got to yes. do for 60 yes. minutes against against Clemson. He has to fool them. But then he has to fool them. Then your athletes also got to make plays as much. Absolutely. You can't that's fool the, the whole second thing. that's yeah. the second part of the equation. Absolutely. And they have the guys that can do it. It's just it's not like you line up and move Clemson. That will not happen. At Frank Sarah 3, what team should Notre Dame fans root for this weekend? Is this where we're going to make our picks or Oh we yeah, to... we might as well do that. That's a good idea. The natural segue yes, from it is. Frank. Um well, you, you, Alabama's really can't be out of it now, the way things have... Like, for the last three weeks, you thought you got to find a way to get Alabama out of it, but they're just going to be number four. Could right? they have... Like, is there a, a, a point total that Georgia <laughs> would have to beat them by in order to remove them from the top? Would they have to lose <laughs> by three touchdowns where you'd, where you'd say, damn, they really haven't played anybody this year? I think it would have to be that, and then Tua would have to get hurt. Yeah. Like, yeah. in a significant way. Oh, just, like, yeah. something where you're like, wow, I really see Alabama a lot differently, differently than I did. So for, the, for the record, we don't see that happen. No. Who do you who do you think Notre Dame fans are? I, I think Notre Dame wants to avoid playing Alabama, which it seems like they can't. I mean, it doesn't seem like they're going to play Alabama here. Um, because if Georgia leaps over Notre Dame by beating Alabama, they're not making... They're not making Alabama play Georgia again. They're not dropping Notre Dame to four... It doesn't make sense for the committee. I know the committee can say we'd get the four best teams and rank them, but I bet you okay. have to lie and I, not do that. I could see um, Georgia beating. Let's say Georgia beats Alabama twenty-seven twenty-three. Um, Georgia goes to four. Alabama drops to three. Or even the other way. Notre Dame's right. two. Oh, Clemson is one. You said you can see that because then you avoid the Alabama Georgia rematch, and I think that the committee would probably prefer that Clemson and Alabama also don't play in the semis. 
And I don't think at that point is Georgia going to like pound the table like we beat Alabama, we should be ranked ahead of them. Like when it's the last rankings, it's just like you're in or you're not. Uh, right. And Georgia would be in. I mean, ideally, Georgia would leapfrog Alabama to, to and Clemson moves to Clemson one. moves to one, and Notre Dame gets Georgia. I mean, you, you do you want to? You don't you, want Clemson or Georgia, Georgia? But then you have the Clemson Alabama semifinal, which I think that people are like, yeah, let's not do that. It happened last year, I guess. Right? Yeah, yeah. So in order in order to avoid these two matchups you're referring to, Notre Dame could get the short end of the stick. If you're trying, I mean, if you're trying you're to avoid those, four, yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, if you're trying to avoid the matchup, the two matchups you're talking about. So that's why you would want to pull for Alabama. Well, let's say like, yeah, this, the, the notion that Alabama, you're somehow going to avoid Alabama at some point is ridiculous. Like that's <laughs> yeah. not going to occur. Like, Clemson can't get them. They're waiting for <laughs> you somewhere. Clemson is as good a matchup as you. I mean, may, maybe Georgia is as good. A, maybe Georgia is a better, better matchup, but they will have just beaten Alabama. Right. I would say if you're Notre Dame, your preference would be Georgia 1, Clemson 2, Alabama 77. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, want, you want Oklahoma to look yeah. so good this yeah. week well, and Alabama's no, left who, out. That's yeah. who I want. I want Notre Dame to play Oklahoma. I want them to play, like, Air Force, but it's not going to happen. Well, so there's <laughs> I need a playoff game, a little breather. Um, yeah, so I think, I guess, okay, let's say Alabama wins. It's Clemson and Notre Dame. Who do you think? Can anyone give Alabama a game in, in four? I think if Ohio State put together, like if they replicated their Michigan performance, they could give Alabama a game for a little bit. So you want Ohio I'd like State. to see Oklahoma-Alabama just to see like what Kyler Murray would do against them. I don't think they would, would win. No, I don't think they would win. But either. I just think it would be kind of fun to watch. I don't think I don't think Ohio State would give Alabama a I, I mean, I, I don't think, no, but Oklahoma I, could not possibly stop them. Alabama would score 90 against yeah, Oklahoma. Yeah, they would have to have a, yes. like a, an addendum where they get to play like 14 guys or something like that. <laughs> And they started Alabama's backfield. Not 12, yeah. 13, No, 14. like 12, 14. And you get to start in the backfield. You have to start offsides. Yeah. <laughs> then it's a closer They game. can be running towards yes. the line of scrimmage like, like Canada. Football, but they can't be drawn offsides. You're just allowed to keep running yeah. no matter what happens. There's no penalty for it. There's, I don't like Oklahoma. I don't like watching Oklahoma. All right. Well, all right. So let's, make, let's quickly make our picks. Oklahoma, Texas. Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma by a lot. Yeah, I'll take Oklahoma. Ohio State, Northwestern. Ohio State. That's terrible. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I you kinda, think they'll come down? I think that they will come down. Is it possible not like, to? <laughs> yeah. I'll, you know, I'm going to go Northwestern for the hell of it. Nice. Because, like, Ohio State's been pretty trash for 11 weeks. This is and the, then they had one really good week. This is the second what? Well, can you imagine? Podcast. Can you imagine if Nordheim had to play a game this weekend? No, I'm against exhausted. a I'm really good team. Yeah. <laughs> you, don't want, you don't want to drive to wherever this is. I couldn't make you. it. Yeah. I don't want to drive to wherever that dumb Big Tell yeah. 10 championship game is. Such a highlight of my yeah. life. The Alabama, Alabama, Georgia. We're all picking Alabama. Yes. Washington, Utah, which I didn't even know the matchup was still about forty five. minutes <laughs> You are not ago. focused it's anymore. On, it's on college. Friday night, by the way. <laughs> Is it really? Oh, well, I'm yeah. glad you reminded yeah. me of that. Uh, Washington? Yeah, sure. They're looking good. Yeah. Is yeah, it gonna, is it gonna snow? Because that was fun. Where is that game? San Francisco, the yeah. national, the, where they play the Ooh, national man. championship game. Wow, I'll take Washington and and uh, Clemson, Pitt. Clemson by all of the points. <laughs> What do you mean all of the points? Like, Whatever points are on the scoreboard. Score all, all of the points. All the points. Like, yeah, 40 to 0. Yeah, There'll all, be 40 points in the game, good. and Clemson will score all that's of them. That's a good side bet. Will there be all of the points scored yeah. by, by Clemson? Clemson getting yeah. a shutout. And then the last question. <laughs> at D. At Tyson 80, how do you think Brian Kelly will approach bowl preparation in 2018 compared to how he approached it in 2012? What do you think Brian Kelly learned from the national championship game thumping in 2012? 
I mean, I don't. I had the. Can I just say? I had the I, most off base comment. I'm not going to use because he went 12 and 0. So I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe fly, maybe fly I mean, home. I, are, of, are we <laughs> assuming that 2012 was the wrong preparation? He has said that he could not prepare Do, with his offensive line and defensive lines because they weren't they didn't have enough depth. Okay. Yeah. All right. And he was also looking to leave for the NFL. I was going to say, don't so, fly to Philly after this one. But oh, there was no. Okay. Well, yeah. I see. <laughs> you and I, both of our minds think that same way. Um, he did. He did say I could not. We were not physical enough because we just weren't. Didn't have enough depth to. Hit. Well, they have that. They yeah. have that depth. And and outside of the, okay, who really needs a rest? I did tranquil without a doubt. Book without a doubt. Coney without a doubt. Kareem's ankle. Kareem's ankle. Uh, you know, you could look. They're, they're probably guys, all. I mean, yeah, yeah I mean, probably. Yeah. You know, all of them. They 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 def they desperately need some time off. That's why I say, can you imagine them playing a game no. this week to win a? Man, it's good to be an independent, isn't it? You know, the Notre Dame has to join a conference. Hell with that. Yeah. You only have to play 12 games. you got to win them all. But I think, I mean, I think this, he, Brian Kelly will benefit from all the things that you just said, not interviewing for other jobs and all that stuff. But <laughs> I think he has a naturally sort of more mature team from 1 to 85 than they had that. I mean, you think of like the personalities, New, to it, Knicks, those types. I mean, DeVaris Daniels. I, I don't think that was like a super locked in team. The quarterback? Yeah. yeah. And it was, I mean, it's your quarterback plays a lot better. And we were talking about this on Saturday night as well. Like, you think about the way they celebrated in 2012 versus how they celebrated in 2018. It was much more businesslike. I think just the dynamics of it are are different where you're not number one. It's not the first time in 19 years. Like, the, the fir- like Notre Dame is ranked number three for the first time since last November. Like, it's not just like, oh, my God, yeah. I can't believe that we're here. So they've been building to yeah. this point yes. for two seasons. I, I missed I, the extreme excitement. I really enjoyed it in 2012. That was you? fun. That was fun. Yeah. Everybody screaming, yelling, Zeke Mata cussing the whole interview. That was great. Yeah, <laughs> this was just like... It was a business trip. I think they was, were exhausted at the end of it, yeah. and they definitely, like, were emotional about it, but it wasn't like this some huge... Let's pop the champagne. We went 12 No, not even close to that. All right, this segment has gone way too long, and I'm the one that's going to have to pay for it. So um, I we could be back Thursday, but I don't think we will be. I think it's going to be more like Monday. I'm not exactly sure all the – we would be making things up and repeating ourselves on Thursday. So I think we'll be back Monday after the conference we championships. We do have a request and, for our best travel stories at some point podcast I have gotten from multiple people. Well, so that can happen at some point. These we have many of. <laughs> Uh, just from this year alone, so yeah, we'll we'll at some point we'll address that, and we'll know a lot more on Monday. We'll know where Notre Dame's going and who they're playing, and important stuff like that. So we appreciate you joining us for Irish Illustrated Insider, and thanks. And we'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com slash support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics. Hey, everybody, let's have some fun. You only live but once, and when you're dead, you die. So let the good times roll. Let the good times roll.